Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I am your host, Rick Hughes, and I would like to thank you for coming back today. Stay with me for the next 30 minutes. It'll be some motivation, inspiration, a whole lot of education, and there will be no manipulation, no hidden agendas, nothing to sell you and nothing for you to join. This show is simply about giving you accurate information. That information hopefully will help you verify and identify God's plan for your life. The Flotline, heard every Sunday here on this radio station, is simply about learning the Word of God and applying the Word of God into your life. If you've been listening for any length of time, you know what those 10 unique problem-solving devices are. Those 10 unique problem-solving devices that make up the flot line. The flot line is a forward line of troops. That's a military analogy for what goes on in the mind of the Christian. When we learn the Word of God and learn the 10 unique problem-solving devices, then this analogy helps us to explain how we keep the outside forces of adversity from becoming the inside source of stress. That's why we've said so many times that adversity is inevitable and stress is optional because adversity is what circumstances do to you and stress is what you do to yourself. Again, I remind you that we have a book that covers all of these 10 unique problem-solving devices And that book is available upon your request, always free of charge. We never charge for anything that we do ever, anywhere, anytime. So thank you for listening. We have done three studies so far in our current study on the TOE, T-O-E, TOE. And that simply stands for your time on earth. We've been looking at our time on earth and what's expected of us during our TOE or our time on earth. And in our last Bible study, we wound up asking a simple question. I told you I was going to come back next Sunday and deal with that question, and I want to start now. The question that I asked you was simply this. Can you tell me how to live the Christian life? If I, if, if I posed a scenario much like this, I want you to think about it. Let's say that I'm a young Christian and uh, that I had just accepted Christ as my Savior. And I had come into your home or come into your church or come into your Sunday school or whatever. You met me. And uh, I came to you and I said, can you tell me how to be a good Christian? What would your answer be? If I ask you how to be a good Christian, what would your answer be? I'm always interested to hear what people say about this because a lot of people give a lot of different responses. I think about a small track that was put out many years ago by an organization, religious organization in America. And that track had the acronym GROW, G-R-O-W. And that stood for go to God in prayer, read God's word, obey God, and witness for Christ. And in their, uh, in their analogy, they said, this is how you grow as a Christian. I'm asking you the simple question. How do I become a good Christian? How do I become a good Christian like you? I mean, you, you're a good Christian, aren't you? So how do I become like you? And it's always interesting to hear the answers. 
if I might, allow me to give some of those answers. People will say to me, well, you know, you just need to turn everything over to the Lord. And that's always a good cliche, turn everything over to the Lord. Okay. And so my question would be, can you explain to me the mechanics of how I turn everything over to the Lord? And they may say, well, you just need to let go and let God, brother. And I'm like, okay, how do I let go and let God? Oftentimes when I'm talking to someone with those kind of answers, they they talk in circles. They know cliches, but they don't know mechanics. And so they mean well. They just don't know how to tell you what the answers are. And sometimes people will say, well, if you want to be a good Christian, you should read your Bible. And I would say, okay, if I read my Bible, uh, like you, how often do you read your Bible? And they say, oh, I read my Bible every day. Okay, if I read my Bible every day, will I be a good Christian? And the answer is, well, got to do some other things. And I'm like, well, okay, what other things do I need to do? Well, you need to pray, they will say. Got to pray. So I'll come back and say, okay, if I read my Bible every day, and if I pray every day, will I be a good Christian? And they will say, well, you know, I mean, there's some other things you got to do. And I'm like, well, what? Well, you need to join a church, and then it starts. You need to join a church. You need to get baptized. You need to tithe. You need to pray every day. You need to have a morning devotion. You need to, you need to, you need. I mean, they go down the list. By the time that I wind up writing all of these things down that I have to do to be a good Christian, sometimes it's as many as 20 or 30 things. And that's just because that's all they can think of at the moment. And that's because maybe they don't understand the question or maybe that's what they really think. But I'm asking you the question, what must I do to be a good Christian? Asking you that question. You should know this. You should understand this. You should be able to say, well, if you want to be a good Christian, there are some things you need to learn. You need to learn how to execute the protocol plan of God. You don't have to say the word protocol, but you have to say, You need to learn how to execute the plan of God. Now that you're saved, what's the first thing you need to learn? Now that you're saved, now that you're a Christian, what is the very first thing you need to learn? And the answer to that is you need to learn who God the Holy Spirit is, what God the Holy Spirit does for you, and how to keep God the Holy Spirit in control. Because if you don't understand that, In spite of what you may do, you're never going to be a good Christian. You'll wind up doing the right things in the wrong way and fall into the religion of ritual. So let's start with this. If you want to be a good Christian, you could tell a person, first of all, you have to learn how to stay in fellowship with God every day. Now, do you know the answer to that? How to stay in fellowship with God every day. You should know that. Here's the answer. What is it that gets me out of fellowship with God? And the answer is my sin. When I sin as a Christian, I am out of fellowship with God. And I am no longer under control of the Holy Spirit. He has been quenched and grieved, according to the Bible. 
and now I'm back under control of my old sin nature, the person that controlled me before I even became a Christian, the old man or the flesh or the carnal man. So if I'm going to be a good Christian, I cannot live under control of the flesh. I have to learn how to do what the Bible says, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I have to do what the Bible says, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Now, you need to know that, first of all, the Holy Spirit indwelled you when you were saved, and he sealed you when you were saved, and he gave you your spiritual gift when you got saved, and he filled you when you got saved. Now, if you can think back to when you received Jesus Christ as Savior, Maybe you were a youngster and you don't remember that far back. I remember the moment. I was 22. And I remember pretty well the moment when I sinned after I had gotten saved. It wasn't too long after that. And no one told me that now that I was a Christian, I could still sin. No one told me that. I kind of thought that now that I was a Christian, I was not going to sin. So I had to learn what do I do with my sin? I did not know that sin broke fellowship with God. I did not know that sin quenched the Holy Spirit. Heck, I didn't even know what sin was. I thought sin was drinking, dancing, smoking, cussing, gambling. That's what I thought sin was. I didn't even have a clue that sin could be a mental attitude or that sin could be something like lying or gossip or slander. So the first thing any young Christian has to learn, if you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a parent, if you're a guardian, you must teach that young Christian how to live the Christian life. And it starts out with understanding you cannot do it in the energy of the flesh. You must stay in fellowship with God every day, and you must allow God the Holy Spirit to fill you. Ephesians 5.18 be filled with the Spirit. Now let's start again. When am I filled with the Spirit? When I believe in Jesus Christ. When do I lose the filling of the Holy Spirit? When I commit my first sin. How do I get back to the filling of the Holy Spirit? When I use problem-solving device number one, and I rebound. Problem-solving device number one says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, and to purify us from all of our wrongdoing. This does not mean you won't do it again. It doesn't mean you won't do it multiple times in your life. Because whatever your lust pattern is, you will be prone to sin in that area when you exercise your volition to go against God's will. You have a volition. God did not make you an automaton. He made you a freedom, a free will person. And he gave you volition, and you can choose. And all sin is a result of choice. Your old sin nature is tempted in your area of weakness, and you decide, just like me, we decide, I want to do that. <clears throat> and we sin, and we break fellowship with God. We don't lose our salvation. We're not, not fixing to go to hell now because we did that. But we're out of fellowship with God. We're under control of the flesh and we need to recover if we intend to resume our spiritual life. And the only way to recover is to use rebound. First John 1 John 1.9
Every time you use rebound, every time you go to God and admit your sin, then the Holy Spirit is allowed to fill you and control you. And every time you use your volition to sin, the Holy Spirit is quenched and grieved. This may happen 8, 10, 20 times a day. I don't know. It'll happen a lot in the first few years of your salvation until you begin to grow and get some maturity and your areas of weakness as you get older begin to shift and change. And, you know, it's very interesting to watch that also. So the first thing any young Christian must learn is how to allow the Holy Spirit to control their life. They must learn that the Holy Spirit indwelled them at salvation, that he filled them at salvation, and they were placed into fellowship with God. And they are already in union with Christ. That's never going to change. That's solid forever. But when we sin, the fellowship is broken and the flesh takes over. And we have to go to our Father and use our volition again and admit our sin And he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. This is essentially what Luke 15 is about in the story of the uh, prodigal son who used his volition to go down the byway highway negative to his father's will and, and just about died. Illustration of divine discipline until he came to himself, the Bible says, which simply means he was tired of getting his teeth kicked in. And he admitted his sin, and he returned home to his father. And he was rightfully restored to his place. This is something every time we admit our sin, we are restored to fellowship. Now, being in fellowship with God and spirituality are two different words. Let me explain. I'll back that up and change that. Listen carefully. Spirituality and maturity are two different words. You may be a spiritual Christian, but you might not be a mature Christian. The difference is this. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then you're spiritual. Billy Graham, the great evangelist, cannot be any more spiritual than you. If he's filled with the Spirit and you're filled with the Spirit, you're both spiritual. Spirituality is an absolute There are no gray areas. You are either filled with the Spirit or you're not filled with the Spirit. You're either in fellowship or not in fellowship. But maturity is a different thing. As a Christian, the second thing you need to learn once you learn how to maintain fellowship with God by means of rebound is you have to learn how to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that means you have to learn, number one, you have to learn to allow the Holy Spirit to control your life consistently. Number two, you have to learn where to find a Bible, which means the Bible is very important if you're going to be a mature believer. And number three, you have to learn who can teach you the Bible. You are not designed to teach yourself. The Bible is a textbook. It is God's book of instruction. It's not designed for you to take it and go out and sit in the middle of the field and read it and understand it. It's designed to be taught to you. The reason I know this is because God gave certain men the gift of pastor-teacher. 
In Ephesians 4, the Bible mentions it. It says that he gave some the gift of evangelism, that's me, and some the gift of, and I'll, I'll use the Greek words here, poimen kai didaskalos, shepherd and teacher, pastor, teacher. It is the pastor-teacher's job to study and teach the word and shepherd his flock. That's why a local church is important, so that you get under the mentorship of a qualified pastor who can take the Bible that you own and teach you how to go through it. Paul the Apostle said that he makes us rich, the pastor makes us rich, and what he does is he gives us a word treasure. Paul put it this way. He said, you have this treasure in your earthly bodies. Treasure is the word thesaurus in the Greek New Testament. The treasure Paul was speaking of is a word treasure. When you learn the word of God, it is a word treasure in your soul. It makes you rich, rich in divine viewpoint, rich in application, rich in being able to represent Christ. You cannot learn it overnight. No one can. No one can grow to be a spiritually mature believer in a week or two. And as you find that right pastor who will spend time studying and teaching God's word to you, then he will feed you and you will grow. And if you are consistent in attending the Bible class and consistent in listening to the teaching of the word of God, You will grow to be a spiritually mature believer. Along the way, you will be tested. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says God will test you. And it's understandable when you learn information, you're tested on what you know. And if you fail it, you have to take the test again. Because God wants you to apply what you're learning. That's why our Lord said, happiness belongs to those people who hear my Father's word and keep it. Keeping it simply means applying it. It won't do you any good if you can't apply what you know. If you cannot apply what you know, then you wind up just having a head full of knowledge, but no wisdom. Wisdom is the application of that knowledge. And so as you learn, as you apply, then you glorify. And so we have a small acronym again called LAG. L-A-G. Learn, apply, and glorify. That's how you become a mature believer. And it doesn't happen overnight, as I said. You learn God's word on a consistent basis, sitting under the ministry of a qualified pastor who studies and teaches, and let me say this now, not one hour a week. If you go to a church where a pastor teaches you 30 minutes on Sunday morning, 30 minutes on Wednesday night, and maybe 15 to 20 minutes on Sunday night, and that's all you're getting? An hour and 15 minutes worth of biblical instruction a week? You're not going to grow very fast. You're going to starve to death. And so you must find a pastor that is willing to spend more time teaching and less time directing the social schedule of people in the church. Unfortunately, that's what happens in larger churches. It becomes like a a cruise ship. There's always something happening and always something going on on Wednesday night and Thursday night and Friday night, and, and here's where it's happening. But the pastor is not studying and teaching. 
And part of the reason is he's not allowed to because there's such demands on his time that he visit and go to the hospital every day and counsel and meet with people. This is not what the Bible teaches. Listen, there's nothing wrong with, with praying for people. And this is why the deacons were elected in the Bible, so that they could care for those that were sick, handle the administration of the church, so that the apostles could devote their time to studying and teaching. This is important. You must find a man like this. You must get under the authority of a man, and you say, well, where where would I find somebody like that in my city? Well, you might not. I did not find it in my city. What I had to do was I, I found it in Houston, Texas, and I don't even live in Texas. I live in Alabama. But the man that I found made all of his messages available by means of electronic recordings, and I tapped into that. I wasn't charged anything. It was free. And I listened on a daily basis to the teaching of the Word of God and still listened on a daily basis to my pastor teach the Bible to me. Just because I'm in the ministry and just because I'm teaching to you doesn't mean that I don't need to be taught. And there's the danger. Is some man thinking that he doesn't need to be fed. Now, the reason I say that is I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist. If I were a pastor, I probably wouldn't be listening to another pastor teach me every day. I would be studying on my own every day and digging it up on my own every day and then representing it to my people. That's what pastors do. I mean, I know some men that are great pastors and they spend hours and hours and hours every day studying the Bible and teaching their congregations to the tune of four and five hours a week. And when their congregations are not able to get it, they can pick up the tape or they can pick up the DVD and they can listen at home. This is what must happen if you're going to grow. You must learn to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You must get under the ministry of a qualified pastor. And you must begin to take in the Word of God on a consistent routine. Not just listen, but apply it. And when you do that, you better get ready because you're going to have trouble. You're going to be dangerous. Satan with a red flag will go up on you so fast. I mean, the demons will go run into Satan and say, whoa, we got a problem over there. Johnny is now taking this stuff serious. He means you. You have taken it serious. You have decided you've had enough playing games. You've decided that you are ready to get serious and start seriously growing in grace and learning and applying God's word. And as you begin to bring your family into Bible study together with you and you begin to sit down together and listen together and pray together, the red flags go up and Satan is going to say, whoa, let me do something to distract him. And so you're going to find distractions. Maybe in the form of your business, where all of a sudden you'll have more business than you can even handle. You'll be very prosperous. Everybody will want your time. You won't even be able to have time to get home at night and study. You'll be making so much money and be so prosperous because Satan is distracting you. Your spiritual life will go down the tubes, as it already has. Why? 
Well, because you're in demand. You're very popular. People want to talk to you. People want to be with you. People want to buy what you sell. People need you, and you don't have time to do this. This is where so many Christians crash and burn. They begin a routine of seriously growing, and immediately Satan attacks to discourage and defeat by distracting them from this. Other Christians that are able to avoid the distractions as they press on in the Christian life, as they go through the testing, the next big problem is when they get too big for their britches. They think they're beginning to learn it all, and all of a sudden the arrogance takes over and they become an authority. And now they want to tell everybody else what they know, like God sent them to straighten everybody else out. Well, that's a big no-no. God didn't send you to straighten anybody out. God the Holy Spirit does the straightening out. You had enough trouble taking care of your own self, much less trying to tell other people what they should do. But this is where the spiritually, super-spiritual, arrogant Christian pops up. He's learned something. And now he's dangerous because now he wants to stick his nose where it doesn't belong in other people's business. And that's why Matthew 7 says, don't judge lest you be judged. That's another danger that can happen. I know all these things because I've been through all these things. How do you think I learned them? You know, to keep the keel even, to stay steady in the storm, not to be distracted, Not to be defeated is a very, very long process and a very, very hard thing because you have to admit your sin. You have to admit your failure. You have to see yourself as you really are. You have to understand who you are and what your place is in the plan of God. And this is, if you read Philippians 1-9, you'll see what it is. It's letting your love grow by means of Wisdom and application, having some wisdom, having some application, getting a little divine perspective, understanding God's timing and how he works. This is what I pray for every day when I teach these radio shows, that I'm going to find one person like you that can't get enough of it, one person like you that wants to really be serious to where they will begin a consistent routine of studying and applying the Word of God. And if you don't know where to start, contact me, I'll tell you. I'll give you the name of some qualified pastors, well-qualified pastors. You can order their material, you can listen to them, and you can decide for yourself. But it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a lifetime of growing in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible verse says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. During your time on earth, you got to get it right because you only have one shot at it. One shot, and that's it. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for being with me here on the Flatline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, 
please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054. Or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.